So in 2019, uh, Dom and I flew from Sydney to London. We landed in London and we didn't really know many people, but we bumped into an Aussie, a familiar face who became a friend. Uh, and that friend is Byron. Uh, we started off in 2019 working in an accelerator program together. Uh, we were building Wealthy. Byron and his co-founder were building another business. And we've stayed in touch. And I wanted to invite him today um, to talk about leadership, to talk about mental fitness, and to talk about the, the journey that he's on, which I find very inspiring. But before we get into that, Byron, I'd like to introduce you uh, and say thank you. And if you can tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're doing. Yeah, sure. Hi, Peter. It's uh, it's nice to to chat again. And, and it is nice that we've kept in touch. And now we're both back down here in Australia. So I, I moved from London a couple of years ago. So I'm in Melbourne now. And yeah, as you said, we met on this journey of early stage startups, hustling, trying to make it work. And we were both in the PyLabs program, which is one of Europe's biggest uh, property focused VCs, which we both got into, as in both businesses got into. And yeah, we went through a hell of a ride, didn't we, on uh, through through that period. And, you know, lots to dig into over this conversation as to, to what happened during that journey. But to sort of fast forward to today, back in Melbourne, I'm on a journey of becoming a psychologist, um, took a bit of a, a change in, in path. But as I sort of realized more and more, not, not too much of a sort of a right angle turn. I was kind of always heading this way. And we can certainly dig into some of that if you'd like. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm on my last semester now of a master's of psychology. So I'm a provisional psychologist and I'll be done with my studies at the end of this year and still, um, yeah, tinkering around with, with what comes next, but certainly finding a lot of energy and a lot of passion around mental health, particularly mental health with founders and how performance is so closely linked to our mental health as well. So I'll jump straight into it. London was a really challenging experience for me. Um, I, I turned 35 that year. And up until that point, I was used to getting punched in the face and not falling over. Um, I came to London and I shielded it. I was away from my family for 13 weeks. Um, I really hit uh, a low patch for me personally. Um, and I bounced out of that experience and came back to Australia with Dom and the energy and the learnings took a little bit of time to readjust, but we used that to then build the business. What was that experience like for you and Henry? Because entrepreneurship is glamorized um, a lot of the time, but it's not all rose petals, right? Mm. Then there can be some significant challenges. Yeah, for sure. And I suppose I'll start the answer to that question um, with with where we are now, which is that Henry and I ended up wrapping up track, as, as you know, um, and that in itself was was quite a, an experience. But if I, I go back to, to when we first met and we just got onto that accelerator program, you, of course, are filled with um, optimism and, and hope because as an entrepreneur, you're constantly looking for wins. You know, the momentum is so important to keep and it's so easy to suddenly fall into those moments where you feel like you're in a dark forest and you just can't find the clearing you know you're trying to bash your way through and getting into the PyLabs program certainly was like a, a win was a moment of you know we're, we're on to something and then you know you have your you have your milestones that you're trying to hit and 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 some of them you do and some of them you don't and I and I think just trying to sort of maintain that idea of those I think of it as like pebble stones, like on the way to the sort of milestone that, that you have. And of course, for most of us, it was to get investment, you know, during that period. Like that's what most of us were were there for. And, um, you know, we 
didn't manage to sort of get that. And that was sort of part of the, you know, the challenges that that later we we had in the business. Um, but yeah, the the overall experience of being around other founders though, I thought was 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 great. And it's interesting to hear that you found it quite challenging because I obviously I was at home, you know, I only live 30 minutes down the road from where we're all based, but you had that additional challenge of, you know, being thousands of miles away from from your family. So I can only imagine that kind of additional sort of element of uh, of, of of challenge for you. Yeah, for me, um, I'm going to get to sort of what happened with track because I think that's a very interesting story. But for me, it was it was a moment where I was masking a lot of it, projecting mm. confidence, but it was kind of that moment where I knew that I needed to think about things differently. Mm. And I spent sort of the next three or four years. We went into lockdown, but I kind of went into lockdown a bit wiser because mm. I had been punched in the face and I did have that experience. And yeah. We'll later in this conversation about how that is actually a lot more popular that is a lot more common in 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 business than what most people think um, and we need to get that out in the open to 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 make sure that we remove the stigma um, totally. uh, so I think that one of the bravest decisions you could make is admitting um, defeat in business. And I think there's something beautiful to gracious defeat. And when I got the email in, in my inbox that you and Henry had decided to stop track, I was so, that to me meant a lot more than all the other businesses that send you email saying how much they've raised and, you know, how fantastic, because I saw two very sincere entrepreneurs that put their hand up and done the right thing. Mm. Can you through what that experience was like and what actually happened? Yeah, so I'll start by by saying I completely agree about the tendency for us all to put a mask on, and and that mask can play lots of different roles, and and one of those roles, you know, could be in your relationships, could be family, but certainly one of those masks is. Um, is that in the in the workplace, you know, as and in business, and of course, being an entrepreneur, you you feel like you've got to have even a, you know a, a thicker mask on because you're at the front line, and you know you're being exposed, you're being you know you're being challenged constantly. You feel like you're you're always outside of your comfort zone, you know, wherever you are on the journey. There's something else going on that you're just you know, and you're the buck stops with you, and so that mask I can completely appreciate, and the the ability to be able to have that those moments of vulnerability as an entrepreneur and to be able to recognize you know when things are getting you know a bit tough i think covid if i think of a silver lining of covid was that a lot of the stigma around mental health did start to come down and people were much more able to say you know hang on this isn't working for me you know i i need some support here and i think that that just anecdotally, and I don't know how you know it's gone, how you see it on on your end, but certainly around you know my friends and people, much more conversation about you know the psychologist that someone sees or the support that someone gets. You know, more and more those conversations are are taking place, and those conversations are only able to take place if someone can go and like put the mask down, because most of the time the mask is got everything under control cool calm and collected nothing rough you know ruffles me you know I got this like I'm you know I'm good and so um yeah it is a big thing and I think you know we can chat you know the work that you're doing in your business and and certainly the journey that I'm on is very much focused on trying to get people to take that mask off because the science and the research shows that actually if we're able to sort of you do that effort of working on ourselves and mental maintenance and and these type of um, these type of things through psychological support or otherwise, we actually perform better. 
We perform better in business. We are more creative. We are more assertive. We get stuff done in a more effective manner. So the irony is, is the mask is actually hindering us when it comes to, you know, when it comes to what as founders we're trying to do, which is build and create. So um, I'm kind of sidetracking off your original question here, but I wanted to sort of touch on on that mask concept because it, it's a it's a big one. Yeah. So let's go to track. Um, yeah. I know what happened, but I think that journey is really powerful to share. Yeah. So we ultimately we got to the point where we we couldn't raise money. Uh, we. We tried to do a crowdfunding campaign on Cedars. For those that don't know, it's equity crowdfunding. So you can anybody can put in 10 bucks and they can have a you know a slither of, of your business in terms of shares. And we decided that that was going to be our um, route of, of our next fundraising route. And we put a lot of time, energy into it and we got it wrong. And so we were then um, in this position where we had a failed crowdfunding campaign. We were desperately trying to find um, bridge money to get us to, um, you know, to get us to a more significant fundraising round. And we, we couldn't do it. And Henry and I were in a position where we were struggling to pay invoices. You know, due dates were coming and passing um, and we were struggling to, to pay, you know, other people that needed paying around our business. And we both, uh, I remember sitting in in Henry's, um, he lived in this awesome conversion uh, flat in an old school up in um, north of London. And we were both sitting there and we looked at each other and it was kind of unspoken, but we just kind of nodded and we were both like, yeah, I think we're done. Like, I think we have, like, can we look at ourselves in the mirror, Peter, and say that we tried everything to get this business back above water? And yes, we could. And we we could say that confidently to each other and to ourselves. And so that was the point where somehow it became, um, I wouldn't say comfortable because it's bloody uncomfortable when you're in that situation of needing to accept that you failed essentially, that it didn't work, you got things wrong, but it made it, it made it easier to do. And then we were both really into communication with each other um, and, and co-founder relationships, as you know, is a huge part of, of business. And one of the big reasons businesses go under is because of failed co-founder relationships. We put a lot of energy into that. And we also put a lot of energy into communicating with others. And that's why rather than hide in a hole and go, I don't want anybody to know that we failed. We like, yeah, we decided we were going to essentially shout about it. And that's and that's why you got an email telling you exactly what had happened. That's why all of our, you know, obviously the investors, we made sure we went and sat down with them individually. I'll tell you one thing. We had 60 family and friends in our family and friends around six zero, And a lot of them were, um, you know, co-friends of ours, family. And that was a lot of phone calls, but we called every single one. We made sure that we could speak to them on the phone, no texting, no emailing. Like we wanted to, to explain to them what had happened. They put their money into the business. And, and you know, you have this fear that everyone's, you know, going to be, I don't know, not angry, but I don't know, like some people put a bit of money in, you know? And so you yeah. have this moment where you're like, oh, but, you know, I, I guess you know where this story is going. Of course, everybody was super supportive and said, I know you boys gave it everything. It's all good. So I think the lesson I learned is that back to the mask, the mask would have had me hide behind that failure and say, I don't want anybody to know about this. I'm just going to see, I'm just going to sort of ride off into the sunset and hope that no one sees me. Whereas we took the mask off and went, yep, we got it wrong. Um, we're going to speak to people about it. And, and I, I've never heard this story from you about what that email meant for you, but I guess that's a good sign of the approach we took. Yeah, I think there's something beautiful to gracious defeat. 
Um, not everybody wins and you win some in life and you lose some, but it's your behavior, your reaction, your demeanor in defeat, mm. that I think is more important. Um, I learn a lot more from people that have made mistakes than people that have, have succeeded because it's the mistakes that make you stronger and your behavior and the way you embrace those mistakes. One of the books I read during the pandemic was a book by Steve Schwartzman, um, mm. he's the founder um, and chairman of Blackstone. And he talks about his journey. They were, they were quite mature entrepreneurs mm. um, starting that business. And one of the things that he looks for, um, people that join his business, is emotional stability during periods of uncertainty. And right. if you control your emotions when things are bad, um, it says a lot about you. Um, which is a bit of a segue now into kind of the things that you touched on, um, what you've learned, how you sort of came out of that experience and went into where you are and what you've learned along that journey. Yeah, sure. So this was um, January 2020. Um, it's funny when when I tell you I had had a startup um, a little while ago, it went under in, in 2020 and they'd be like, oh, COVID, eh? Yeah, that was such a hard thing for some business. I was like, nope, sorry, can't can't use that as an excuse. This is January. It wasn't a thing yet. Two months later, then I would have been able to say, yeah, COVID. It was all COVID. No, but um, in seriousness, it was just before COVID. So it was January 2020. And um, yeah, we we folded the business. And and you know what? Peter, I had this moment where I was like, okay, so we did all, you know, we did all the communication, we did all of the kind of um, the, I don't know what you want to call it, the grieving, like, you know, we, we said, uh, we said, it's done now, we put a line in the sand, and we were like, okay, so we're both moving on. And my first instinct was, oh, I've got to go do another business, right? Because, you know, the, the first real pop I've had at one didn't work out. I've got to go out there and prove that I can do it, you know? And I, thankfully, COVID was now happening. You know, it came in in that sort of February, March period. And I was at home a lot. And so I had a time to think. And I was sitting there and I was like, do I actually want to go out and, on, and start up another business straight away? Like, is that actually what I want? And if you talk about motivations, it's so interesting when you think about what is intrinsically something that's motivating you, as in you're doing it because it gives you energy, it gives you fulfillment, it gives you satisfaction versus extrinsic motivation, which is expectations of others, what you think you should be doing, social pressures, you know, the difference between the two. And I realized that that motivation of jumping straight into another business was actually purely external. You know, it was like what I thought I should do. It's what I thought people would expect me to do. And thankfully, somehow, and I think I can thank lockdown for this, um, because, you know, when you're busy, you don't give yourself time to think you're just kind of next step, next step, next step. But COVID forced us all to kind of stop for a minute. I realized, actually, I don't want to jump straight into another business. I've always been interested in psychology and more specifically why we do things, what motivates us, you know, why some relationships, if you talk business, co-founder relationships work, why some don't. Henry and I had all sorts of things that we did from, you know, founders forum where we met once a month and told things that we thought each other was doing well and things that we would love to see more of. You know, these sort of processes I was really into exploring. And I realized, you know what, I'm going to stop making this thing that has been sitting over here as a side hobby, i.e. the, you know, the psychology and the interest in the mind and, and you know, why we do things and go and bring it into the fore and have it as my main thing. And so that started a journey in 2020 of 
going back to school essentially because it's a long old um, road to becoming a, a psychologist you have to go through a lot of hoops um, and the first one was doing a, 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 a diploma in psychology and then and then on to a master's and it was quite tough to um to, to stomach the idea of, of just, you know, going back to school and needing to get high marks. And I've never really been one that's just waltzed through life with A's. You know, I usually get just enough to keep the door open and then use other qualities to knock the door down. But in this case, I had to get high marks to get onto the next step. So no time for side hustles, no time for business stuff, just the books, which was a weird experience because it's not really what I've done before. And so that was what went on for me in 2020 that sort of led me down this path now of, um, of, of yeah, becoming a psychologist what um what are the lessons that you've learned as a as a founder um going into psychology and and how are you thinking about bridging the two um mm. and the reason why i ask that again i'm going to go back to steve schwartzman's book um, he found himself very unhappy in his late 40s or early 50s and he actually said that it was him going to a psychiatrist that that pivoted, changed his life, mm. his relationships, and actually helped his business flourish. And mm. when I read that, I thought, here is someone that is a leader of one of the biggest businesses in the world, openly talking about his vulnerabilities. I thought their vulnerabilities, but they're not. They're actually a sign of strength. Yeah. I think you would agree with me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, there are so many people out there that don't seek psychological support because they think that it is some kind of um, indication that they're broken and need fixing, that they would only go and seek support if they were, you know, at, at the edge, you know, at the cliff's edge kind of thing. And what my idea or not even idea, just my my what I would love to make an impact in is trying to create an experience of seeing a psychologist that removes the idea that to go and see, and I say psychology loosely, I, I mean anybody that's supporting you with mental health, you know, in, in any way. I, I use psychologists because that's kind of what I just the way that I, I'm thinking about it. it could be anybody supporting mental health. But removing the stigma by creating an experience of seeing a psychologist that's done in a way that is much more about everyday mental maintenance that is much more about you know for example some of the private practices here in Melbourne have frosted windows you know so you can't see in so the idea that you should be kind of ashamed stepping into yeah. the psychology thing and you don't want anybody to see you in there trying to create an experience that allows for people to feel proud of the fact that they go in and see a psychologist and realize that it enhances their lives in so many different ways. You know, you've mentioned some of you know, them already. You just gave an example of changing somebody's total course in their business direction. It could be better relationships. It could be more assertiveness. Doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. Like psychological challenges are part of human life. It doesn't mean that you have a disorder or that you, you know, there, there's a, there can be a very pointy end of mental health, of course, and, and there's lots of great services out there for them, but there's this big middle ground, you know, that, that can benefit from that sort of support that doesn't for reasons of, you know, stigma or attitudes or just this experience not matching what they would like. So that's what I'm tinkering right now with right now um, as a as something to do, you know, next year as I sort of finish finish with these studies. And in terms of the lesson that I've learned, it's that this idea of just treating your mind as a work in progress has really been a big one for me. 
because whatever's going on for me, it's okay. You know, if I'm feeling really anxious on a day, it's okay. You know, there's no, I am anxious or I am not anxious. There's no on off switch. We're just all on a continuum depending on what's going on in our lives. And the minute that you realize that, it removes some of the self-judgment that happens when you do feel anxious. And I'm just using anxiety as an example here, pick any emotion. And it removes some of the self-judgment, it removes some of the criticism, and it allows you to be a lot more able to just recognize, oh, I'm feeling anxious today. Like what's going on with that? Rather than, oh, I'm an anxious person. I'm always, do you see the difference in just that mentality of treating something like anxiety? So that's been a big lesson for me. We're all a work in progress when it comes to our mental health and that's okay. Yeah, we have um, uh, a different way of thinking around physical health than mental health. I mean, mm. right behind me, there are, there are streets lined of gyms and no yes. one, I'm not going to go to a gym because <laughs> I'm ashamed. People actually have the other approach. I need to go and exercise my body um, and speak to a personal trainer about my vulnerabilities or buy yes. supplements or, you know, there's yeah. a dollar industry out there on on our on our physical image but behind that costume that mask um there is the the the, the mental side yeah. the stigma and it's changing and i'm really happy that it's changing and the pandemic was maybe a trigger for that yeah i agree and and you know i think people brave people like you coming out and embracing it are going to encourage others who are thinking the same thing but don't have the courage same with the 50s and 60s when there was aerobics on tv uh, yeah. a little bit of taboo going to a gym or, or working out particularly yeah. uh, for those at home we're, we're breaking that fold um yeah. i want to touch on um the the emergence of coaching um, yeah. because coaching has traditionally been a bit of a dirty word um, and it's kind of changing and mm. you've got traditional psychology or clinical psychology which is evolving and how there's a bit of a fusion between mm. those two and what that looks like from your perspective yeah it's a, it's it's amazing to watch this taking place and you now have a lot of people calling themselves coaching psychologists which i had not seen before until this year so, um, you know, they've probably been around, but I, they, they seem to be at the fore now because of exactly what you've just said. You've had this industry around coaching, which used to be a bit um, seen as a bit cowboy because of the lack of um, regulation that's around it, but actually is coming to the fore as a really, um, you know, positive way to align your life to your goals, to align yourself to your values, to align your actions to your values. And all of the things that coaching can give if you have a good coach, of course, there's same with psychologists, there's coaches, coaches and psychologists who are not good at their craft. And that's the same in whatever field you go. But I'm talking a good coach who's done the training, because even though it's not regulated, there's some amazing courses out there that people do. I have a coach who's who's great um, and they train in, in, in a course in the UK. And so then you have on the other side here, you have psych psychologists who are trained to deal with clinical mental health issues but the interesting thing and this is what I was alluding to before these people are seeing and I, sorry I realize there'll be people that are, are listening and not watching this but I'm, I'm saying that the the, like the clinical people are also dealing more and more with people who don't have a diagnosed mental health issue 
but are coming to see them because of exactly what I talked about before, life enhancement, wanting to have better relationships, wanting to be living a life with more fulfillment because it's more aligned with their goals, et cetera. And suddenly you have this crossover between a lot of what's going on with coaching, a lot of what's going on with psychologists sort of crossing over. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that's a good thing because you get the opportunity for some people, they'll have very clear performancey type of, um, you know, they'll just need structure in their life, for example. And that's where a coach, you know, can really help with structure. For other people, it might be that there's psychological blocks that are stopping them from achieving what they want to achieve. And that's where, for example, a psychologist who can work about maladaptive beliefs and, and things that have gone on and, you know, use tools like ACT, which is acceptance, acceptance and commitment therapy and things like that, that tools that can actually have the same result. They're just different paths. And I think my thoughts on this is for somebody who's thinking about the two is um, try both. That's always the best way. Try both. See, see where you're at. And actually, sometimes you have these people that do both. So you can actually do that at the same time. And I think, Peter, more and more psychologists will pick up on what coaches are doing more and more. Um, coaches picking up on what psychologists are doing is a little bit risky and unethical if they're not trained to do that. But there's a lot of the thinking around coaching that I see coming in more and more on the psychology side as well. So I think watch this space. I think it's it's quite um it's evolving. And I, I'm curious to see how the, how the lay of the land settles, because you're right, coaching is coming up, psychologists are adapting. It's interesting. Yeah, I think the analogy that comes to my mind, I don't know if this is right. So correct me if it isn't factually correct. I, I look at personal trainers and doctors, you don't necessarily walk into a GP uh, to get them to show you how to exercise a certain muscle, right? So the personal trainer at the gym is a bit more accessible. They're your accountability partner. They have some basic training, yeah. advanced training. And then if you need a blood test or you have something serious, you go to your GP and there's exercise physiologists in the middle and chiropractors. So there's a whole spectrum of discipline. Yeah. Um, it's not just going to the GP for everything biological, right? Yeah. So the, I think that's probably what's happening in the mental fitness space. Yeah. Um, we're becoming a bit more accepting of it, but there are dangers, as you say. And you know, coaching needs to, we need to make sure that coaches are certified, that they're accredited, that it's like real estate. Uh, the barriers to entry are low, but mm. the market kind of filters out the good from everybody else. Yeah. And I think the fact that coaching has helped to remove some of the stigma of seeing someone. So the yeah. idea that I now go and see someone might be a big step for me to admit that. And I might be able to say that with less um, fear that I have of, of um, you know, judgment when I say I'm seeing a coach. And if that means that I'm more comfortable talking about that with family and friends and others, that's a good thing. Whether it's a coach, whether it's a psychologist, that's a, that's a barrier that I've overcome. And I think coaching has allowed a lot of people to be able to back to the mask analogy or remove that mask and say that they see somebody to support them. And maybe one day they'll also say the same thing about a psychologist because they realize that they could um, you know, manage their anxiety and stress in a, in a better way. And psychological tools can help them do that. So I think it's all it's all positive, but yeah, let's see where it all sort of, you know, it comes out of the wash because there's a lot of change going on in that area for sure. What's your final message to a fellow entrepreneur that's a little bit down in the pits that has that mask on that feels the the weight of the world on their shoulders because they have to take care of their team, their customers, their investors, their spouse, mm. their friends, um, and is actually has the realization that they're struggling, but doesn't have the courage to take the next step. 
Yeah, sure. Well, I'll come back to remember that it's okay that you are that your 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 mental health or your performance or your where you are as a founder is all a work in progress and there's no that the biggest thing that we can do to help ourselves in those situations is to try not to judge ourselves to try not to be self-critical to try and be a, a an objective observer of what's going on for us right now. It's not belittling the fact that you might be really stressed because you you know you've got to land an investment round in in two months, otherwise you're going to hit the wall, or that you know your staff are, uh, have demands, or there's family. So it's not belittling any of those issues because they're real. But what it's doing is is allowing you to be able to view them in a way that doesn't judge the emotion that's coming up, whether it's the anxiety, the stress is, it doesn't judge, judge the situation because that's what happens in, in business, in life. And so if you're able to look at these things in a non-judgmental way, it's the first step to then being able to find the appropriate solution to get you out of that dark forest and into the clearing. Bora, thank you very much. Um, I see a, a really um, bright person uh, that's taken a lot of courage uh, to pivot in their career. I see someone that's confident. I see someone that's smiling like they haven't smiled before. So, um, I'm really happy. I'm really proud. And I'm really grateful and gracious that you joined me today. And um, I'd love to continue having these conversations. I think the next one, there's a lot of financial anxiety at the moment out there mm -hmm. with rising rates and a lot of pressure on people. Yeah. I think at times we ignore that, but that's something... Mm -hmm love to maybe come back to you and talk about next time but thank you very much yeah for sure peter and thanks for having me on the show it's been great to chat last thing i forgot yeah. it i think it's really important i want you to plug the podcast uh, uh yeah. you're doing because i think that's a great resource and i'm gonna put it in, in the show notes so it doesn't get missed okay thanks so it's called cycling's podcast and we interview professors of psychology to talk about their area of expertise but we put a real life lens on it so it might be a personality professor to talk about you know the different ways in which personalities can impact your life or it could be a, a professor of the unconscious to talk about ai and areas of, of um, psychology around those topics so if you're interested in hearing the latest research and thinking from professors um, around the world in psychology yeah come and have a listen cycling's podcast Thanks, man. Cheers, Peter. Okay, I'm going to.